Let me give you a couple things before we get started. I told you we'd kind of give you an overview of what we're doing, uh, just so you'd have an understanding of where we're going when you talk about it with friends and all that. Uh, about six, eight months ago, uh, I know there are a few groups, and you guys are a part of those groups with either with the Campbells or the Smiths. We know some college students, and you all have kind of met together on different uh, nights of the week and, and are involved with different churches and stuff like that. We just thought this might be a great opportunity to get all the college students together maybe once a month and just kind of see what happens and get together. Uh, really let it be a time of corporate teaching, corporate worship, um, and a time to cross-mingle and meet everybody and, and all that stuff to encourage you. And then also, um, this is a very obvious transformative time uh, for you as students. Uh, this is where a lot of people choose their worldview in life. And... Um, those of us who have been through college and are on this side of it look back and see this as, a, as an opportunity to invest whatever God's given us into you guys to help shape worldview, to help shape understanding of who God is and that sort of thing. And so that's what we kind of want this to be as a bit of a training ground because once you get done with college, some of you will end up in Bluffton, some of you will end up in Atlanta, Jacksonville, you'll end up in, a, um, in D.C., some of you will end up in Beijing, uh, Thailand, you'll end up all over the world. And we want to at least have had the opportunity to invest in you and for you to be able to begin to wrestle with things about who God is. Um, and so we're going to stay very close uh, to the Bible in terms of this training that we're going to be providing and the teaching and that sort of thing. Now, uh, we're going to call this for four months the College Church Experiment. Uh, and here's why. It's because I, I looked this up, the word experiment in Latin, uh, ex Periri or periri, I don't know how to speak Latin, but that's basically what it looks like. It means to try it out. And that's what we're going to do for four months, is we're just going to try this out. And here's how it's going to work. The adults in the room are basically just going to be kind of overseers and teachers. And so we're going to give basic direction, uh, just as we've done kind of tonight to get us to this point. And we're going to be providing the teaching every time we get together. Everything else will be you guys. Uh, sound, lights, eventually the music. If anybody's good at music, let Jeremiah know. If you're not good, just hang out with the rest of us, all right? But if you're, if you're decent, uh, let Jeremiah know, and eventually we want to get that passed off as well. Um, to, we really want this whole thing to be uh, the nuts and bolts run by you guys and not by us, and we'll just be here. If you ever want to hang out and talk about stuff, um, I'm not saying we know it all because we certainly don't, uh, we may know some stuff, so if you ever want to uh, hang out and chat, a lot of you know the Camels or the Smiths. Ashley and I will get to know you a little bit better as time goes on. If you want to just sit down and hang out and talk outside of this, we'd love to do it. Um, that's what we're here for. Um, so here's how it's going to work. Here's kind of the vision that, that we've all sat around and talked about and what we see. We want to see godly men and women who long after Christ. And we're going to talk about Jesus next time. Okay, so we're going to have a, a Jeremiah's going to teach about who Jesus is. We're going to talk about God the Father tonight. But our desire is to develop godly men and women who long after Christ. Um, and that's what this whole thing is for. And the way that we're going to do that is through teaching, um, through maybe some Bible plans as we go on to help you read and journal and pray and do all those things. 
we really want to get you guys in an, in an atmosphere and a mindset of discussion as well amongst yourselves, not with us hanging around, but as you go out in the dorms or at work or wherever you, whatever you do Monday through Friday, want to get you guys out and just discussing some of the things that we talk about here on Sunday nights. Um, so we're going to do four Sundays this spring, tonight being one of them. Next month, February 14th, it's Valentine's Day, but the next day is supposed to be President's Day. So at the end, Eric's going to give you guys some announcements about Facebook page, Twitter feeds, and a way to kind of get on the database. If you guys want to be, you don't have to be, but if you want to be kind of included in the communications, that'll be the best way that we get you guys information about when we're going to meet next time. And then March 14th and then April 11th. So those will be the four uh, Sunday nights that we'll meet this semester. And here's how it's going to work. After those four Sunday nights, if you guys want to keep doing this, we'll keep doing it. And if you don't, then we'll shut it down, no problem. Um, it won't hurt our feelings at all. This is really for you guys. So if this is something that you guys want to continue to be a part of, you feel like it's a good opportunity to invite some of your friends to be a part of this as well, um, to engage and interact with them, uh, then we'll continue it. And so you will be the key uh, throughout the next four months to figure out if this is something that we want to continue to do. So here's what I want to encourage you to do over the next four months if this is something you want to be a part of, is be completely involved. I know Justin's done a great job of starting a little um, website online, ourcollegechurch.com. It's a very basic site. Let's give it up for Justin. Come on. Justin loves to be clapped for. He'll just never tell you that. So he appreciates that. Um, but if, you've got, if you know how to do websites and stuff like that, get with Justin, the guy in the plaid shirt right here, and, uh, and help him put some of that stuff together. Get on the Facebook group. Get on the Twitter feed. And, uh, and get on the database. And we'll get you guys engaged. And also let us know if you want to help with something. Uh, Janae did a great job setting up the, uh, the Lord's Supper stuff. These guys are doing all the sounds. Most of this stuff, we want you guys to, to take it all and to do it. So if you want to help with that, just let us know. And we'll say, fine, here are the keys. You go do it. All right? So that's kind of where we're going. If you have any questions, let's talk afterwards. All right? Right now, let's get into the text. Uh, we're going to be in Genesis 1. If you don't have Bibles, no problem. We've got some back there for you. Eric, would you mind getting a couple? And if you don't have one, just put your hand up and Eric will get you one if you want one. Um, I would encourage everybody to get one. We're going to try and provide uh, Bibles for you guys next time. Just beware, we buy the cheap ones because we figure they all say the same thing. So let's just get the 99-cent Bible, uh, and we'll just give those to you uh, next time. So we'll try and get those for you the next time we get together. We're going to be in Genesis 1. I wanted to make this super easy. Go to page 1 in your Bible, okay? We're going to be in Genesis 1. Here's what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about the one transcendent. Okay, you guys are, most of you are in college, so these big words, let's, let's get on them, right? All right? One transcendent God who exists. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. My goal, after we're done, is to get you to begin to wrestle with and, and, and to be almost enamored by this huge God who created you. Okay, And we're going to talk about a couple of basic tenets of that, but we're going to be in Genesis 1. So, we ready to go? Let's get started. All right. If you look, the very first word, what is the, what is the very first little phrase in Genesis 1? For those of you who have heard it before. In the beginning. Alright. In the beginning. And by the way, I'm going to read through about 20 verses, but I'm only reading the first part, so this won't take long. So just kind of follow with me. I'll tell you the verse I'm going into. But you'll get the point after we're done. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now look at verse 3. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. Verse 6, And God said, 
Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let, let it separate the waters from the waters. Later on in that verse it says, and it was so. Verse 9, and God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place and let the dry uh, land appear. And so it was. Verse 11, and God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees. And it was so. Verse 14, and God said, let there be, uh, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate day from night. And it was so. Verse 20, and God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. And so it was. Verse 24, And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures. And so it was. Verse 26, Then God said, Let us make man in our own image. Verse 27, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created them. Male and female he created them. Now, I want you to flip over to chapter 2. Verse 2, And on the seventh day he did this, he rested. He just rested. He was quiet. Now look at verse 19 of chapter 2. Now out of the ground the Lord had formed every beast of the field, every bird of the heaven, and brought them to the man. So brought them to Adam to see what the man would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was his name. Why is that important? Those first verses that we read, and God said, and it was so. And God said, and it was so. Basically, God took nothingness. The earth was formless and it was void. God took nothingness. All he did was speak and it was something. I, I got to thinking, how many of you have ever said the word donut and a donut appeared? I mean, just like donut. Hey, there's a Krispy Kreme, right? It just doesn't have, we don't have that power. We don't have the power to out of nothing bring something or we'd be awesome, right? But we're still kind of awesome. We just don't have the power to speak, and it was so. Here's the only power we have. If you look at chapter 2, verse 19, and whatever the man called every living creature, that's what it was. Basically, the only power we have is to say somebody's name, like to declare a name. But we have no power to bring nothingness into something. But God has that power. And it's over and over and over again that he shows us the power that he has. Now, I chose the word transcendent. There's another word that you've probably heard of if you've ever been in church, Holy, the word holy. Well, I wanted to bring a word out that uh, holy kind of has a connotation with it, right? Uh, ho holy kind of, you think of the halo over the head and, you know, angelic, uh, like, birds flying through. The, it's just, it's, it's hard to relate to the word holy. So, it's a good word, and we'll talk about that word, but I wanted to bring out a word that may help you understand who God is if He's going to be the foundation of what we're going to do at the college church. And that, that word is transcendent. So, what does that word mean? The word literally means to to be superior or to be supreme. So you have this oneness that is superior or supreme over everything else. And God being transcendent, it, that also literally means to be beyond the limits of I anything, you name it, beyond the limits of the sky and the ground and humans and everything you can think of. So the something or the nothing, God is beyond the limits of all of those things. He's transcendent. And we see that in the first chapter of Genesis because God keeps creating something out of nothing where nobody else or no other being in the history of the universe has ever had the power to be able to do that. Psalm 139, 7 through 12. Don't, don't turn there. Uh, I'll read it for you. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where, where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to the heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, you are there. If I take the wings of morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. 
If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me at night, even the darkness is not too dark to you. The night is as bright as day, for darkness is as light with you. So God, wherever you go, whatever you do, the, 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 the presence of God is there. It, it is, uh, it is irremovable. He is not distant from us, but he is beyond us. He is greater than we are. There's a guy named Norman Snaith. He's a theologian. He said, God was from the beginning transcendent in that he was different from man, but he was by no means transcendent in that he was remote from man. Now, we're going to talk about that again next month. Jeremiah's going to teach on Jesus, and we're going to talk about the closeness of God when he sends Jesus to us. So I won't get into that in much detail tonight. But the one thing I want you to understand and take away from this is all God has to do is speak, and it is. That's impressive. That's super impressive based on what we know as humans. Isaiah 55, 9, God says it real clearly. He says, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. It's not as if God is, is, is being arrogant or flexing muscles. He's just saying, I, I can think better than you can think, and I, my ways are better than your ways. They just are. And in all things, my ways are better than your ways. Which has great pragmatic value in decisions that you make through the week. Because there are things that you'll read in God's Word and you'll think, ah, yeah, that's, yeah, I can see where that makes sense. But it just doesn't fit for me. And it's as if God's coming back and saying, no, 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 no. My ways are better than your ways and my thoughts are better than your thoughts. God is transcendent. He is beyond the limits of our capabilities. He's beyond the limits of our thinking. Another word for transcendent, like I mentioned, was that word holy. If you look in Isaiah 6, 3, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. Throughout the Bible, they talk about the holiness of God, the separatistness. The, is that a word? The being separatedness of God. I just made one up. You guys can go into class tomorrow and throw that one out and see how far it gets you. God is different than we are. That's the thing I want to I bring across. Okay? And that's going to be one of the foundations that we have, that God is unlike you and me, but at the same time, He's close to you and me. All right? So God is transcendent. There's another... A very strong key understanding pillar of truth that we've got to understand if we're going to kind of go forward um, as a student church here, and that's the reality that God exists. Because it doesn't matter if you believe that God is transcendent if you don't believe that God exists. Okay, so go back to the text, and in verse three through twenty-six, what you see is a continuation of God said, and so it was. God said, and so it was. If, if God says, therefore God must exist, this is basic philosophy 101. If God said and God created anything, God must exist. So the evidence of God's existence is throughout creation. Literally, all you have to do is, is look around. Uh, but it's even beyond that. God's given us so much more than nature and creation and, and people and things to see that He exists. He's given us His Word. He's given us people uh, to write about his word, he's given us prophets in the past. Now, the reason I wanted to bring this up, this issue of existence, is because there is a worldwide movement that is very small, but it's very loud. And it's a movement called atheism. Okay? That is uh, people who do not believe that, that God exists, period. So there is nothing out there that created what we are here. Some philosophers or theologians would say that it is an impersonality who created personality, us being and having personalities. The atheists believe that nothing created us, all right? Now, what's easy for somebody like me to do is to begin to make fun and say, no, 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 that's laughable. But here's the deal. There are people that stake their life on this whole idea that God simply does not exist. 
The reason I'm bringing this up for you guys is atheism really doesn't have a stage outside of the university setting. For some reason, atheism has kind of seeded itself and rooted itself in the university setting more so than anywhere else in the world. If you look at the leading scholars on atheism, Sam Bennett, Richard Dawkins, I read his book called The God Delusion. Some of you all might have read that. They give unbelievably compelling arguments for the non-existence of God, but all of them come from university settings. And so I, I don't know what the thought here is on USCB's campus, but just so you know and are made aware of that this whole atheistic idea or the, the belief that there is no God uh, generally roots itself on college campus. And what it believes is that there, there's no real creation, that there was nothingness out there that we talked about in the transcendence of God, and this nothingness somehow just kind of sparked, and boom, here we are, over time, of course. But all of a sudden, this nothingness turned into a universe that turned into Earth, and then natural selection, the Darwinian idea, begins to take root, and then uh, you and I are one type of creature, and then over time, we translate and morph into another type of creature, and we believe this way and that way. And it's just, just remember it this way, the impersonality creates personality, and that doesn't make a lot of sense, Okay? And so it's, it's very important that we believe in the existence of God. Here are three things I want you to see to kind of firm up the existence of God. Number one is that the biblical writers all throughout Scripture, I had written, actually my wife and I had a discussion about this last night, I had written that they assume the existence of God. And Ashley said, no, they declare the existence of God. And they do throughout the entire Bible. The writers of Scripture declare the existence of God. In fact, very rarely does it, do they even think about the reality that God couldn't exist because God was so real in their lives. So evidence of God's existence comes by just reading the Bible and realizing that those who penned the Bible actually declared the existence of God, and we've seen that throughout history. Okay? If you look at Psalm 14 and 53, the psalmist says, The fool says in his heart there is no God. So he's very plain to say, if you're one who says that there is no God, that is a foolish idea. If you look at Hebrews 11.6, without faith, it is impossible to please God, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek them. Around the world, people believe in the existence of God. They may be Buddhists, they may be Muslims, they may be Jews, they may be Christians, the dominant world religions believe that God exists. It is a very small minority that believe that God doesn't exist. But here's the thing. Is you've got to come to terms with that yourself. And this is one of the things I want you guys to really work with uh, through in your minds throughout the coming weeks. And I want you to talk about this with your, with your friends. I want you to literally sit down and say, do you believe God exists? Why? I think it's a valid question to be able to ask yourself. It, it, because... It, I could come out and say, well, do you believe that God exists? And you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, great, and let's move on. But you never process through that. Listen, guys, God's given us a mind to think, all right? That's why I love college. That's why I love the thought of university. That's why I love the idea of higher learning. It's because God's given us a mind to think. And we want to constantly be learning and learning and learning with that mind that God's given us. And so that's a key question to think through is, does God exist and why is that even important? Guys, I, we work in Nigeria. Uh, in fact, I'm going back in March. A lot of the guys I work with over there are Muslim. They radically believe that God exists in the name of Allah. Now, they and I differ on how God presents himself to us. Okay? Again, that's what Jeremiah is going to teach on next month. But the world 
Much of the world believes that God exists. It's just how does he exist and in what form. And that's where we get into this next point. And this is a crucial point as well. Go back to verse 1. Now, in studying the Bible, here's one of the things I want to make sure you understand in studying the Bible. Every word means something. Every word. In the beginning, God said. So go back to verse 1. It says, in the beginning, God said. Now, don't just gloss over that. Because what the Bible is telling us is that in the beginning, God, singular, there was one being, and it was God, and He's always been with us. So don't just look over the fact that the very first phrase of the Bible is in the beginning, God, and that's the only player we see. It's just Him by Himself. The oneness of God is crucial because I said earlier that the whole world believes in the existence of God, but they believe in the existence of God in some form. What's crucial and what the Bible teaches is that we believe in the existence of God of Jesus and the God who is one. Okay? And this is an important idea to understand. God does not share himself with whatever idol you have in your life. He shares himself with no one, and he makes very clear of that in the Bible. The oneness of God is in direct contrast with something today called pluralism. Okay? So I've given you atheism, so we've got a big word there. Giving you transcendence, so we've got a big word there. You guys are going to be brilliant by the time you get to class tomorrow. All right? Now, this word is pluralistic or pluralism. Now, this is very important. Some of you are thinking, this doesn't even matter. It does. Guys, I'm telling you, it does. Pluralism is the idea that you can kind of fashion whatever idea of God you want to. It's, it's plural. It's more than one type of God that you might believe in. Okay? Now, the reason I bring this up is because atheism is only a small part of the world's thinking. Pluralism is a huge part of the world's thinking. If you go around the world, again, some of these people we work with in Nigeria, they believe in multiple ways to God. They believe in multiple gods. They believe in multiple ideas of God. And there are a lot of people that you'll go to school with who believe the same thing. Now, the term for that is called relativism. What does that, what does that mean? That means that whatever is true to you is true to you, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's true to me. Okay? So let me flesh that out and see how kind of errant that is. If I go out here to the stoplight, and I decided at the last moment, you know what? Stoplights don't mean anything to me. I know they're kind of common law and general law, but not for me. Because I'm a relativist, and what's true to me is true to me. And what's true to me is the fact that stoplights really don't exist, and I don't need to obey what they say. If I go through the stoplight, and the other guy is obeying the stoplight when it's green coming the other way, I'm toast. All because I decided to believe whatever it is that I wanted to believe. Guys, a world that believes in anything is a world of chaos because there's no standard. There's no, there's no truth. There's nothing we go back to and agree upon. That's one of the reasons that the founding of the U.S. was so amazing because it had a constitution that we agreed upon and we could go back to. That's why the Bible is so crucially important because it's a global foundation that we can all agree upon regardless of culture, regardless of where we're at, regardless of what's happening around us, we can go back to God's Bible and it translates wherever you are in the world. And so the oneness of God is so important on multiple different levels, the least of which is the fact that it gives us a standard to kind of live by. Here's the thing about pluralism that's so nice. The beauty of pluralism is you can believe whatever the heck you want to believe. And you don't have to offend anybody. Because if somebody comes up to you and says, well, I believe this about God, you say, well, yeah, that sounds great. That sounds great. Well, what do you believe? Well, I believe that too. And, and, and so the Muslim comes up to you and says, well, I believe this about about Allah, what do you think? Oh, I think that sounds great. And then the, uh, the Baha'i faith guy comes up to you and says, I believe this about God. What do you think? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I think that's exactly right. And then the Buddhist comes up and says, I believe this about a pantheon of gods. What do you believe? No, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm dead with you. And so you never offend anybody. And the goal of life is not offending anybody. But listen, guys, if you ever take a stand on one thing, you're going to offend somebody. All right? Whether you're Rush Limbaugh or Keith Oberman, you're offending somebody. All right? You're on the right or the left. If you take a stand, you're going to be divisive. So let's be careful when somebody says, no, Jesus is too divisive. God's too divisive. Listen, guys, you've got to choose at some point. And the reality is that the God of the Bible is that God is one. He's one. And it's very clear. Pluralism says you can believe whatever you want to believe. Here's what the Bible says. Ephesians 4, 4 through 6. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the hope, uh, the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and is through all and in all. There's a guy named Paul who wrote that and wrote the next text we'll read. But he was talking about the unity of the church when he was talking about that. The unity of the church was so important and, and the oneness of God was so important that that's what he brought up in a context of the unity of the church. Now, what's interesting is the next text in 1 Corinthians, Paul is talking about spiritual gifts, the gifts that God's given each of us to flesh out and to do certain things and, and interact with people in certain ways. And here's what he says about the oneness of God there. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but there's the same spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. I don't care what you do. And I don't think God cares what you do. Y'all are going to get out of college at some point and say, oh, what does God want me to do? Does he want me to sell computers? Or does he want me to serve fast food? What does God want me to do? Oh, God, will you please? I don't know that God cares. He may, but I'm not convinced that he does. I think what God cares about is that you believe in his transcendence, that you believe in the reality that he exists. I think God cares the fact that you believe that he is one. And I think what God really cares about is that you take his son Christ and take him wherever you go, whether it be serving food or selling computers. So it's crucial to understand the oneness of God and that God loves you and he wants you to, to have a relationship with him. But it's hard to have a relationship with him if you don't know who he is. And the reality of who he is, is that he is beyond the limits of all of our capabilities. That he, in fact, does exist, even in the ideas of the other gods around the world that people have made up. And in the fact uh, that he is one. He is one. He is not a multiplicity of things. Now, if you guys, at the end of April, want to keep this thing going, we'll get into the Trinity and we'll try to dive into that and get all muddy and dirty and everything else and see what we can get out of that. But we're not doing it now. <laughs> that is too dirty. Uh, to get into right now. But this is the core of what I want us to believe. So, in order for God... Now, understand, this is our conviction of what the Bible is, and I believe this is true. But you need to understand this. If you want to be a part of the college church and invite your friends in and all this stuff, is that we at the college church are going to believe that God is transcendent, that His power and capabilities are, are, have the potential to blow our mind, if we let them. We're also going to believe that God, in fact, exists. Okay Now, that shouldn't stop you from inviting any of your atheistic friends to be a part of this because we love to have these discussions. And I think discussions are valuable through this stuff. But I think they can see the power of God through you as well. And then also we're going to believe that God is one. He is not a multiple, a pantheon of gods. He's not this multiple idea where we don't offend anybody and we, don't, we just want to love all people. We do want to love all people, but part of loving all people is being convicted in who God is. Okay? 
So here's what I wanted to take you to today. And, and Ashley asked me last night, why does all that matter? The way I respond to that is, why does any of this matter? Is because, number one, it's what the Bible teaches. And we want to teach you guys what the Bible teaches. That's crucially important to us. So you see it. The Bible says that it's a living and active word. And we want you guys to be able to see that. Plus, also, life is more than like classwork and, and, and texting and work and what are you going to do when you grow up. And life is more than that. It's beyond that. It's, it's this God who is way beyond us. But at the same token, God is very much involved in classwork and in texting and what you're going to do with your life when you grow up. He's involved in all of those things. And we, so we want to see how all of these things weave together. So if you've got a pen, I want you to write this down. Here's what I want you to do with a buddy of yours sometime this week is I want you to ask them one of three questions. Number one, do you think God exists? And make sure you follow it up with why do you think God exists? Now try not to do this like right before you go into class. That's probably a little longer discussion than like two minutes. All right? Do you think God exists? And then the second question you can ask is, do you think God really is one? Or do you think there's like multiple gods out there that we can believe in? And then why? And I want to really challenge you to try and go back to the Bible. Um, to be able to look those things up. All right? Cool? All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to spend about five minutes doing what's called the Lord's Supper. And if you want to know that is, I'm not going to go into a whole lot of depth about that tonight, but if you look up Luke 22, Luke 22, you can either read it now or you can read it later. Uh, here's the deal. is Jesus is on earth. Jesus, we believe, is the Son of God. He is the Son of God. That's what the Bible teaches And Jesus has about three years on earth where he does ministry. And at the end of the three years, he knows he's about to die. He knows that he's about to be taken by these guys and be crucified. He has a dinner just before that happens. And he's sitting down with his boys at dinner. There's 12 of his guys. These are called his disciples. They're his apprentices. They're his students. And he's sitting around the table with them. And he has a thing of wine. We can't do that. And probably not a good idea anyway on a college campus. So we got grape juice. And then he had some bread. And he was with his guys and he said, listen, he said, all this is about to end. I'm about to go away. So here's what I want you to do. You see this bread? And he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body that's been broken for you. Take it, eat it, and remember me. And do this continually. And then he got the wine and he poured it. And he said, see this wine? This is my blood that's been spilled for you. I want you to take it. And I want you to drink. And when you do it, do it in remembrance of me. Okay? So what we're going to do, every time we get together, we're going to have some grape juice and some little bread wafer things back there. And we're going to have Jeremiah just play five, ten minutes uh, real quietly. And everybody's just going to be quiet for about five or ten minutes. And all I want you to do, if you're somebody who's made a commitment to walk with Jesus Christ, and you're a disciple of Christ, and you consider yourselves to be a Christian... I want you to get up whenever you want to, go back there and get you a little thing of grape juice and a thing of bread, and just on your own time, do that in remembrance of Christ. If you're somebody who's not sure yet, you haven't gotten to a point where you're committed yourself to um, be a disciple of Jesus Christ, then just hang out in your chairs. The reason we did it back there is we didn't want to pass the thing around and make you feel uncomfortable or anything like that. So, And even if you are a Christian and don't want to do it, no problem. It's not, not a big deal. But I want us to just take a few minutes. If you are not a Christian, what I'd like for you to do is just sit, and I want you to think about what Jesus said. And if you have a Bible, look up Luke 22. And that's the text. And you can start reading through it. It's verse 14 through 23. And you can start reading through that. And, and when you do it, I want you to examine your hearts and just think about who you are in, relation to the, in relationship to this transcendent God 
And then uh, I also want you to remember Christ and what He's done for us, all right? So let's take about five minutes. And uh, like I said, just on your own time, whenever you want to, you can get up, go back, and Jeremiah will kick off. We'll do a last song here in just about five or ten minutes, and Eric will come up and give us some announcements. And you guys are free to take off or hang out, whatever you want to do. But I'm really, really, really glad you guys came. Uh, and I hope this is going to be a good time. I'm looking forward to getting to know you guys better. Let me pray for us. God, you are holy. You are transcendent. We believe that you exist because of how you work in our life. And we also believe that you're one. Because you tell us clearly that you will share your glory with nobody. And we believe that. Um, As much as that may outcast us in certain circles, we we believe that. Because we know that you're, you're well worth it. You're beyond worth it. God, I pray over the next couple of minutes that you will be honored through our quietness, that you'll be honored through our reflection, and that you will uh, put a display of Christ in our minds that is fresh, 